everyone, and welcome back to Marlin's Corner. So glad you're here. So sorry for the wait. I had a work event at my new job that took me to a beautiful Sonoma County where the wine vineyards are. And I got a chance to uh, hang out and unwind in a very work-related way. So that was that was fun and fantastic. Uh, right now, you're always wearing some Renaissance gear because it is very warm out here. So if you're watching this video-wise, I have a Renaissance cutoff on. So if you haven't gone to Renaissance Fair in your neighborhood, now's the the, the the time to go. I got some great, great cups. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan of cups from right there. Love it as much as I, as I can. Friends of mine buy swords. Your boy picks up some cups every time he goes. So that's what, that's just my preference. If you got some cups you think I should get, send me a little photo in the link. Uh, but anyway, back to the main point of hand today, we're going to talk about Midnight Mass, a Netflix smash. Now, if you listened to uh, Geek Force previously, you know that we talked about just the onslaught of Netflix content coming uh, your way, viewer. Uh, and Midnight Mass is definitely one of those hits. Uh, we know that. Again, it's it's the buckshot method. There's going to be a lot that they advertise and uh, some that they just kind of let hang out and dangle there. Uh, but Midnight Mass is, I got to tell you, worth the hype. It is. Amazing. It is fantastic. If you're a fan of some like thrilling, uh, very slow paced, uh, horror, uh, this is definitely going to be a fun ride for you. If you're not a fan of that, give it a shot. I too definitely was really looking forward to a lot of just quick hits and goes and a lot of, uh, intensity. But I do think that with this slow burn, it kind of allowed us to really understand some other key elements about the show overall. So let's get into it. Today's episode midnight mass now again if you ha sorry for the first time if you haven't seen it this is uh gonna be full of spoilers so this is your spoiler warning definitely go check it out before you listen to this i'm gonna be breaking down some things as well as talking about some things if you haven't seen it yet i do not want to spoil it for you so please make sure that you are ready to deep dive into this show that's your warning I'm going to keep going now. There's no stopping. The ride has started. You've been buckled into it. Here we go. Now, the first thing I should let you know about this amazing uh, series, it is a series. Uh, it's not just a single movie. Uh, it is a nine-episode series uh, on Netflix. It's really fantastic. Uh, and the writer, uh, the director, the creator is Mike Flanagan, um, someone who's best known for doing a, a bunch of really awesome horror films. I'm going to name a few that I like. Uh, Dr. Sleep, uh, The Haunting on Hill House, Gerald's Game, Hush, and of course, uh, my all-time favorite, Oculus. Um, now, if you were someone who felt a chill go up your spine at just the name Oculus, uh, yes, uh, it is that director. He's, he, this is uh, that. If you haven't seen Oculus, it's a whole other thing to check out, especially because you know it's going to be October soon. So, do check out Oculus. Uh, it is uh, a lot's going on in Oculus, and uh, definitely is what my precursor going into this film was. I thought it was going to be similar, uh, but it's not, and it's good in its own special way. So, just know that going into it. Um, now. The cast, uh, typically whenever we do a review on Marlon's Corner, I give you, uh, just the important cast members of note, uh, that have a lot of scenes and dialogue that are very compelling. What makes it difficult when talking about Midnight Mass is that this show, 
is so skillfully written to where there are multiple characters that have important impacts on the entire plot. There aren't any throwaway characters. Um, these characters are in most of the seven episodes and are really visual, uh, sorry, are, are really upfront and seen and just have a huge impact on the overall story flow. So um, I will be mentioning names, but uh, just the cast itself is 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 amazing. Uh you have uh in the role as Riley Flynn, Zach Guilford, uh you have playing Beth Keen, everyone's most hated uh religious figure. You have Samantha Solan, um Sheriff Hassan, uh the internet Zaddy, uh Rahul Kolihi, who is just killing it in the game. If you haven't seen him on Instagram or Twitter, he is fully loving it. You have Kate Siegel as Aaron Green, Igby Rainey as Warren Flynn, Anara Simone as Eliza, uh, and you have Alexis So as Mildred Gunning, uh, and Matt Bidell as Sturge, and Michael Truco as Wade. So you don't have to remember all those names, but no, going into it, there are a lot of characters to keep track of because there's a ton of stuff happening in this. Um, now, the story as is for your brain Breakdown. The story takes place in this very small, isolated island community um, whose uh, existing uh, divisions uh, have been amplified by the return of a disgraced young man and the arrival of a charismatic new priest. Um, when Father Paul's appearance on Crockett Island coincides with unexplained and seemingly miraculous events, a renewed religious fever takes hold in the community. But do these miracles come at a price? And the answer, of course, is yes. So no going into this. It is, it's very slow. Um, it's a nice, cool, like minute by minute, beat by beat kind of show. Um, what I like most about it is that it really focuses on the true horror in life and that is the actions that people inflict on one another you know most of these is a monster or an alien something fantastical but i do think that what's what's really great and what's really awesome about some of these really awesome horror movies is just the depraved acts that man inflicts on man uh just for their own reasons and it kind of gives you this really it, it puts you in the position to wonder and ponder are they doing the right thing and why are they doing the right things. So you're going to get a chance to sit in that. Like I said, we have the first character, Riley Flynn. Riley Flynn is the disgraced um, young man returning to the community. Riley Flynn, opening scene of this of this movie, um, he is drunk driving and he hits a woman and we open up on just the crash scene. We see that there's a young lady's body on the road. She's covered in glass. She's dead. And, you know, Riley's going through uh, a last rites. He's reciting a prayer and we get this really great, I think, segue into Riley's characterization uh, or his internal conflict by a EMT who makes a statement why, you know, why are you speaking to God? Why don't you ask him? Why is it that, you know, youngsters are always, you know, killed? Uh, or why is it that, you know, people in hit and runs are always killed, but the drunk driver is always, you know, fine, just, just has scratches. Uh, you kind of get a chance to see Riley battling with uh, the, that kind of like religious thought, because before that point in time, he himself is pretty religious he's tied into it uh we get a great 
first scare when Riley's spending his first night in jail uh, because he says he's going to take the crime. He admits his guilt. He says he takes the, the plea. He spends his time in jail. Uh, and that first jump scare is he, as he's going to bed, sees the dead young woman standing across from his from his bed, just kind of staring at him. Uh, and so that's, a, that's her first little jump into this, this whole thing. Um, once we do get to the town, we, of course, realize that uh, the town has a history. And that history is that they're a fishing town. They primarily make do due to the ocean that they happen to be around because they're on an island. Um, but unfortunately, there was an oil spill. And as a result, uh, a lot of the wildlife was affected. Uh, and in what we find out is a really interesting uh, set of events is Barbara Keene, uh, the, I wouldn't call her a matriarch, but the busybody, aka, uh, the, I'm in everybody's business and I'm, I'm holier than thou, uh, woman of the island, uh, convinces everyone on the island to take a settlement, um, from the oil company. Instead of pursuing justice or pursuing it in court, they instead, she incorporates, she instead gets them all to agree to take the settlement and to tithe some of that money back to the church. Now, as you can imagine, some of these folks stay because they're, you know, a part of that community, but a lot of folks take that money and they just, they jump ship, they get out of there. And so as a result is the town is more or less dried up. Uh, there's a lot of empty houses here and there. Uh, and those that are staying um, are part of this uh, religious community that um, go to this church, uh, St. Patrick's uh, there every Sunday to be a part of that. We then learn that there is a, um, Monsignor that is a part of the community that they're all really uh, into. They, they believe he's a great priest uh, and they're all for him. Uh, and it turns out that he gets uh, money from the town, the town after giving money to the church uh, and some of that money going to a rec center, uh, a good chunk of that money goes to him so they can send the Monsignor to the Holy Land, a.k.a. Jerusalem. And we get a chance to uh, just kind of get bits and snippets of how he's he may have dementia, they haven't seen him, they hope he gets back okay, and he's just gone. Uh, and that's kind of this really low, lingering burn of like, where is this man? Is he okay? Whom is he? We don't get to see him just yet. And when we finally do get to see him, we get to see a very interesting set of events that more or less um, aren't answered. Uh, what we do see is that uh, the Monsignor goes to Jerusalem. He gets lost again. Uh, and he wanders out into you wanders out into a sandstorm where he finds himself uh, in a cave. And what's interesting about um, this whole set of events is that it is almost a parallel to the story of Moses, where Moses uh, is lost and he falls into uh, a cave. Uh, uh, and in that cave, he, you know, meets the voice of God, the, the, the burning bush, and it speaks to him and it gives him this prophecy. Um, and that's kind of, you know, what we have in the Bible. And then in this case, the Monsignor wanders into a cave uh, and he straight up meets a vampire, y'all. Like, no if ands, or buts about it. He walks into a cave and he sees these two yellow eyes in the dark staring at him. Uh, and this vampire attacks him. And while he's dying, he starts praying and the vampire, and we never get 
any other explanation. The vampire stands over him and gives him uh, blood to convert him into uh, a follower, another vampire. He just converts him in that moment. And it's great to say convert because this is a very surprisingly religious film. I mean, even down to the titles of the episodes, they're all uh, just named after sections of the Bible. Um, but in this moment, he is converted to vampirism. Uh, and what's wild is to see the thoughts that take place in this moment. Instead of seeing this vampire as a monster or something to be feared, uh, Father Paul, who we find as Father Paul, also the Monsignor, uh, decides, determines that this vampire must be an angel. Yes, he was violently attacked. Yes, he was uh, had his neck bit open. And yes, he had blood poured into his mouth. But this has got to be an angel, is the thinking that he comes away with. Um, and it's just, it's wild. And then, of course, his rationalization is that, oh, maybe angels look like this. Because in the Bible, whenever someone met an angel, they were always scared or afraid. And so he equates, well, this thing scared me so and it has wings so it's gotta be an angel and he locks in that rationalization and he doesn't turn back Uh, and so in order to and again he's he's the father he has this kind of altruistic mindset um, that's very naive in his mind he believes that i should bring back these blessings to my town um, which means I should bring back this vampire to my community. Uh, and so he smuggles this creature uh, the long way uh, out of Jerusalem and onto the island of Crockett uh, and just has this vampire on this island with the full intent of converting, um, although unwillingly, converting every townsperson uh, in Crockett. Uh, and so you get this really interesting moment of seeing that he has a kind heart, but that he's also doing something without the consent of others uh, in a way that's kind of shady. Uh, and we also, of course, see that at first you're thinking, okay, cool. Like he got younger. That's dope. Uh, what's the true price of this uh, miracle? And the result, of course, is that homeboy's a vampire. So he's getting hungrier and he's getting ferocious and he's seeing people and he's, he's having to look at them and not, feed upon them uh and that he of course is doing his best to avoid that doing his best to pray away uh the hunger uh because you know he and again they're the the show does a great job of like inserting just religious dogma into it because in his mind he believes that the only reason that i am hungry is because i am not thankful enough or i am not um strong enough religious wise. So he's of course doing his Hal Marys. He's doing his, uh, serenities. He's, he's doing all these prayers to avoid being hungry, but it's just not how it works. Uh, and so while he's dealing with that, he of course is giving the vampire who I'm going to call vampire prime. He's giving the, the vampire primes blood, uh, in the Eucharist, which I mean, I'm not, the most religious person, and I don't know how often one should take the Eucharist, but he was given the Eucharist like every Sunday, like every Sunday they were getting the Eucharist over and over again, um, which I found to be surprising because I assumed that the Eucharist was like 
maybe on like certain days, but homeboy was doing it every Sunday. You're getting the blood in the body of Christ over and over again. Uh, and so as he's giving people this blood to drink, um, he, the viewer starts to notice a few things that are different throughout uh, the town. Uh, we start noticing that folks who are taking the Eucharist, um, they're looking a bit younger, a bit sprier. Um, the first major uh, miracle, quote unquote, that we see uh, is with um, a young lady uh, by the name of, I believe it's Vanessa, uh, sorry, by the name of uh, Lisa or Liza. Uh, she is in a wheelchair. She's been wheelchair bound since she was shot in the spine by a local uh, member of their uh, <laughs> Crockett community. Uh, and she's always depicted in that wheelchair, just kind of being rolled around the town. Uh, and that first major miracle is uh, she regains the ability to walk and it blows everyone away. Their pastor just did a miracle in front of everyone is the takeaway the town gets from this, that there's a miracle happening. They're all here. This miracle is fantastic. Um, we got to go to church now. Uh, and the news begins to spread. And those who, of course, have been going um, start noticing, you know, effects rather rapidly. Um, folks who have bad backs no longer have bad backs. Folks who have bad sight no longer need glasses. Uh, we're starting to see um, people who were uh, older becoming rapidly younger, uh, almost to the point where uh, they're, you know, 30 years younger than they were depicted as. We know that um, that Dr. Sarah Gunning, uh, played by Annabelle Gish, that her mother, who she's taking care of throughout the show, uh, who is seen as having dementia, she broke her hip going up some stairs, she very rapidly no longer needs or, uh, needs to be held or picked up. She can go upstairs with these. She can make tea. She can hold conversations. She can retain memory. Uh, and she's doing so much better. But we also see uh, a drawback of that, that we might not have noticed. We see that um, the first instance of this being not such a great idea is through Aaron Green, um, who is depicted as being pregnant in the beginning of the show. And then around the third or fourth episode or so, um, her baby is just gone. Not miscarried, just gone. Uh, her cells reset and just the baby is no longer a part of her body anymore. The cells just disperse inside of her and it's just done with. And there's no uh, depiction of pregnancy in her body. The hormones are gone. And we kind of see this darker side to where this reset affects a lot of things, even things that you um, weren't willing to part with. And, this, I think, just reminds the viewer that, yes, there's a lot of awesome things happening. Uh, this, this, this young lady can walk again. This older woman can speak to her daughter again. But it also reminds us this is done without people's consent. And so it affects Aaron Green that she was preparing for a child. And now she's made to seem like she's crazy or that she's a liar because everyone's thinking, well, how do you not know you miscarried? Where's your baby? This is weird. Uh, and it kind of gives you that insight into, again, 
all this is non-consensual and it's not okay. And we get more of that. We get to see that at a certain point, Father Paul, while trying to be open and convert others into the church more to add to his growing uh, flock, that he's willing to make sacrifices. And one of those sacrifices uh, is a local town drunk who happens to just stumble in uh, one day and sees uh, the quote-unquote angel. And of course, the angel. Uh, oh, sorry, I'm skipping a piece there. Sorry, uh, the the ochre, I believe is his name, comes in to uh, get um, words of wisdom from the father because he stopped drinking uh, and he wants to do better. Uh, and as he's there, the father decides uh, that he wants to. Um, potentially eat on him or feed on him. He tries to fight the urge. He can't really fight it. He gets into its hustle, accidentally knocks the man against the table edge. And as the man is bleeding out, uh, he gets on all fours and begins to drink up the blood, um, fully giving into that hunger. Uh, and we all start to see that he can no longer be outside uh, during the daylight, it begins to burn his flesh. Uh, and we get to see that fully, like now he's converting to that vampirism. Now it's like, again, starting to give us that textbook vampire behavior in this moment. Um, we of course see that with his death, he's able to use him as a town pariah and say, Oh, he went back to go see his sister. These little lies. Riley Flynn doesn't believe it. He goes to talk to him, sees the angel, uh, and he, instead of just being murdered, uh, is converted by, by um, my father, Paul. He's converted to being a vampire. He's given the opportunity to, to live again. Uh, and Father and Riley Flynn gives us one of the truer uh, character arcs. Um, he understands that he led a life um, where he took advantage of folks, uh, took advantage of his opportunities, uh, and he was always constantly wondering, uh, you know, what does life? How is that supposed to look like? How are you supposed to live? How are you supposed to be good? Um, he had an internal struggle of figuring out how to live a good life and. As he goes to fight Aaron Green and reveals to her the story of Father Paul and how he's a vampire, uh, he sacrifices himself by staying up until the sun comes up. He refuses to do so in town in order to protect folks, but he also wants to be somewhere where he can't chicken out, where he can't run away. So he owns up to you know who he is in that moment, tells his love that he loves her, and he ultimately dies in the sun. And that, of course, starts the domino effect of the townspeople, um, the Sheriff Hassan, uh, Dr. Gunning, uh, of realizing that the town is potentially on the cusp of being a vampire town. And as they come back in, you get that great last two episodes where it's the full conversion, where it's like Jonestown in there, where everyone who has been there enough has taken up the Eucharist. We're like, great, all of you are not going to drink this poison and die. And when you come back to life again, you are going to have eternal life. And it, of course, doesn't go great. Um the angel shows up, freaks everyone out. Uh, Sheriff Hassan uh, doesn't want his son going in there, shoots the, uh, the, the, the father Paul in the face, uh, 
all hell breaks loose uh and um people just start drinking and chugging and as the bodies start falling and dying they of course start rising back up again and they are full-fledged vampires and now you just have a bloodbath people are biting people attacking people they're going wild and eventually a good chunk of the town are vampires now and now they're going and what i think is the most interesting um connection they're going door to door uh some are knocking on doors some are kicking in doors but they're going to door to door uh, in a very interesting kind of like spreading the gospel way uh but they're spreading vampirism throughout the town and just like laying into people going at it and it's such a wild thing that mike flanagan chose to make them all Christian because they are all willingly uh, murdering individuals. Some of them they convert, but there's also the fact that Barbara Keene is telling folks that if they're not worthy of conversion, we're not going to convert them. And she, of course, is attaching so much religious dogma to what she's doing that it's just it convinces these um, reluctant Christians to keep and follow along. And they're going town and they're going like from the going from house to house, you know, attacking and hurting people. And at a certain point, um, one house is set on fire and an individual asks Barbara King, she puts this out. She goes, no, we're going to raise the island like they did in the Bible. And the church will be our only refuge because that's where all those who are holy will live and everyone else will just die. Uh, and she's like fully has become this really um, nightmarish character, but a character who was defending Father Paul, knew of Father Paul's condition, knew of what was going on, had had always been on the inner circle of uh, the island's uh, Christian circle, uh, but was fully in control of it even before she was converted. She had such a strong presence in the town that she was felt pretty much easy to do whatever she wanted. I mean, she ended up murdering someone's dog because she didn't like the dog. Uh, she was openly uh, antagonistic to everyone. She could be sexist to, 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 to the council's women who weren't as pious as she was. She could be um, racist to Sheriff Hassan by claiming that because he's Muslim, he's a terrorist or that his religion is, is, is uh, more violent than her religion. Even giving out Bibles in a, in a classroom setting um, she just felt so comfortable in her um, piety that she could commit these terrible acts and not really feel any remorse by it. So it's and like, I think the whole time, you as a viewer, me as a viewer, we're waiting for her comeuppance. We're waiting for it. And at the final episode, we get that. We get. We finally get that closure. We get a chance to see that. Two of the children got away, Liza uh, and the and the younger Flynn sibling. Uh, the other adults who weren't converted burned all the boats. Uh, thanks to Barbara Keene and her friends, they burned all the houses. Um, so they're like, they can't escape and there's no houses. And they're all about to go to the church to kind of like bunker down. And then Barbara Keene does another really awful thing, which is like, great. I know we have a town full of converted Christians. We're, oh, sorry, Christians as in vampires. We're only going to let in the vampires that came to church enough if you didn't come to church enough we're going to lock you outside and you're going to burn to death so not only did we either forcibly convert you or convince you to convert you but now you're going to have barbara keen determine if the individuals present are going to be allowed to survive a second time She's going all ham for it. And we, of course, finally get a scene where they light uh the church on fire um 
they light the town bunks on fire. So now the vampires have nowhere to go. And again, Mike Flanagan gives us another great scene where the townsfolk, the realization comes crashing down on them what they've done. They finally have acknowledged that, oh, we're the bad guys here, aren't we? We're the bad guys. We we suck. And so they finally have this moment where you have some of them who, again, did nothing, uh, are together and praying. Uh, but you have some who did a whole lot that, again, are also praying, but it's also like, I don't feel bad for you. You kind of willingly step into this, like the mayor, you step, you step into this. You all were like all on board for this and had no problems with it. And you don't really feel remorse for them. You feel remorse for Sheriff Hassan, whose son, unfortunately, became a vampire. And the son, at the very last minute, uh, assisted with burning down the bunks, uh, walks with his father down to the beach, and they uh, do uh, a prayer in their in their religious way. Uh, since they're Muslim, they do their prayer together for the last time before they die. And everyone is together except for Barbara Keene, who I think finally gets her comeuppance. Um, as the sun is rising, she tries to dig a hole to hide in, which I think was a great way for her character to to be shown uh, as she's dying, as someone who is a coward, as someone who hides behind religion in order to make uh, mean and crass and disgusting comments for not just and like and then hiding. Oh no no no! Like, I'm only saying that because the Bible says something about this. So like I'm not a bad person. And if I am a bad person, you're saying that the Bible is a bad book. And if you say the Bible is a bad book, then you're a bad person. So she was constantly hiding behind that. And now in her last moments, she realizes that she you know sacrificed so much. Uh, she got called out on on her behavior about how hey God loves everyone. God doesn't have a preference. He doesn't have a MySpace top eight, which not many folks might get that, but he. God doesn't have a I love list and ranks people. He just kind of loves everyone equally and nothing you can do can make him love you more. He loves you already. And there are going to be like, Oh, Barbara, you're excellent. You're converted to whole town. I love you 40 times as much. Like, no, the basis of Christianity and the Bible is so that God loves everyone. He doesn't say he loves some more or some less. He just says, I love everyone. And there Barbara is on the beach by herself trying to dig a hole before she combusts into flames and dies. Uh, and we get a great scene of the vampire prime who got its wings cut uh, by Miss um, Green. Uh, as he's trying to fly away, his, his wings aren't really flapping that, that greatly. He's kind of losing altitude. Um, one of the, the, uh, y y one of the younger characters, Warren Flynn, makes a wild guesstimation. I'm not even sure how he had the <laughs> the knowledge to do so. He says, "Oh, he won't. He won't make it. Uh, uh, he has 30 miles to fly on those broken wings. I don't think he's going to get there." Um, but we do get a chance to kind of get some closure on what happened or not, because once the sun comes up and the whole town is like ashes after singing a very chilling uh christian hymn together for the final time and then like as soon as it comes up like the singing just stops like mid sen like mid sentence song is over uh and liza who got a who got away and warren flynn who got away my thinking is that great you still have the vampire blood and you what's going to happen but the last bit of dialogue we get from liza is that i can't feel my legs which lets us know that 
with Vampire Prime being dead, it's more than likely that she uh, that the blood is no longer working. That once that Prime Vampire died, if you still had that blood in you, it's donezo. And this is also like these are our last two characters that are alive out of an entire island of people. So that was just wild. But Midnight Mass, y'all, it was a wild ride. Um, each episode named after a section in the Bible. Episode one was a book of Genesis. So it's about like, hey, um, the story of creation, you know, Father Paul is coming back. He really, and he, and of course, he wears the gold chasuble because today's a great day. Today's that first day. So he's basically like, this is the beginning uh, of the story and also the beginning of Father Paul. We also know that in book two, um, it, was named after the, it was named after the Psalms, which has to do with, um, uh, you know, Lent and episode two, we get to see Lent where they get a chance to do the ashes. Uh, book three, we see Proverbs, um, which in the Proverbs more or less kind of like, um, I think wisdom or the wise. Uh, and in that episode, we get that really great scene where Sheriff Hassan is calling out Barbara Keen about using the Bible in school and handing it to kids, uh, talks about how he's not against Christianity. He is against the fact that you're just telling kids they should read this book, but what he is for is Wisdom, looking into um, the Quran, the Bible, the Torah, whatever you want to look into, it's always great to be a part of that religious search. And it's also tied to something that we know that uh, Flynn uh, also did, that uh, the character Riley, when he was in prison, uh, also was involved in trying to find his new religion and as such uh, looked into so many types of religion uh, and just couldn't find any others to get a part of. Remember that in book four, Lamentations, um, this is more or less focused on uh, looking at the town of sin um, and its destruction and, of course, um, being rebuilt. And we know that in this section of the story uh, that Father Paul is like talking about returning to a better way. And restoring people through acts of great sacrifice. Uh, but we also see in this episode that uh, Father Paul, uh, a, a few characters are killed. Uh, so in order to uh, pay for that success, for that, uh, for those blessings, you have to sacrifice a lot. Uh, and book four and book five, episode five is the gospel. And that is when we get a chance to see uh, resurrection. Uh, we see that uh, Riley uh, Flynn dies and is brought back to life uh as a new uh vampire uh and so that's that has to do with that we also see book uh, episode six which is the um, act of the apostles we get a chance to really see uh uh father paul's um apostles come to light we see that he is now partnered um with a lot of individuals, and he he reveals that he uh, is John Pruitt. That's his old identity. But we also see that he has a lot of characters who are now on his side, from Bev, Wade, Sturge, who are all a part of hiding his secret uh, and assisting him in converting the whole town. With episode seven is Book of Revelations, uh, and that's pretty much the end of the world. Pretty much, that's the apocalypse, and it's very fitting that this last episode, Book Seven, uh, is literally when the town is on fire there's fire on the earth uh everyone is running and tacking it looks like a zombie film there's a lot of things happening a lot of murder a lot of death so it so for all intents and purposes this is a um 
apocalypse to the folks on that town. Things are happening. Death is reigning. There is no peace. Uh, and at the very end, when there is peace, uh, it's at the price of an entire town um, disappearing, going away. Uh, and we know that Liza and Warren are the only two to survive this whole event. Uh, and it's probably going to be with them forever. This uh, terrible and uh, dark reckoning on the town, on the island of Crockett. And that, of course, is like the whole story about it. Again, it, I think what's amazing is the way that Flanagan was able to um, speak on religion, speak on uh, just the way people can twist messages and twist things. And it was really fascinating to watch a character like Barba King slowly uh, convert others, uh, but also see that the town had already kind of created a monster. Um, from early on episodes, we see that Barba King says a lot of problematic things, yet no one's willing to step in and call her out on it. We see that even beforehand when she convinces the entire town that good Christians get back to the church. So yes, take your settlement, but give me your money and I'm going to buy things with it. Uh, and we see that she's able to murder a dog. Uh, there's no consequences for that. She's able to do all these things, but because she's Christian, because she's not a threat, because she's a white woman, uh, she's allowed to get away with a lot. She has a lot of leeway when it comes to that. We also see that when it comes to religion, yeah, you can see a vampire and an angel somehow, and I will still not understand that uh, it isn't like this story takes place in an alternate universe where there are not vampire films, or there aren't like books like by by Bram Stoker about Dracula's, uh, I will never understand how this man um, could get bit, have his blood sucked, get more blood, become younger, and think to himself, Jesus. I will not understand that. that. That to me is something that I need an assistance on trying to understand, and I get it. He's religious, understandable, but my man. That's a vampire. Like, it's, again, they gave us no other description, and maybe they're hinting at the fact that his dementia wasn't cured. Maybe that's the excuse that, hey, yes, he got younger, but the brain wasn't fully fixed, so his dementia wasn't fully fixed or something like that. But it's just like, my dude, like, you gotta know what a Dracula is. This is a Dracula. And, and, and even if even if angels didn't look like that, even if you were like, okay, cool, he has wings, angels, the fact that this man is, that this creature is in the dark, eating people, you got to read the Bible. And you're, 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 a, you're a part of the church, so I'm sure in the Bible they would list if they would eat people, and I'm pretty sure they don't list if they would eat people at all. I'm pretty sure cannibalism is not a great thing, and I'm not sure Jesus would be like, yeah, eat people. Don't go for that. So that for me is something that was never explained. If you are someone who's going to pick that out, definitely know that they're not going to talk about it. They're not going to discuss how or why this man was like, that's a vampire. Nope. Angel. Because angels were scary. And this guy's also scary. So IE, that's an angel. Don't understand that. We'll never understand it. There you go. Um, I also will never understand why, uh, why he didn't just go to a town 
maybe after he did the Eucharist or why didn't he just like send some, why didn't he find someone else to help him with his journey to convert others? Why not send another friend to like the other side of town to welcome them over uh, to at least have backups on how to get off the Island. There was some planning, but there wasn't really a lot of planning. Uh, and you would think that someone like him who was really into a uh, free will, uh, it's in the Bible. It's the reason why um, we, you know, left the Garden of Eden. With his free will, it's very fascinating that he chose to just not acknowledge people's wishes or not even ask uh, about receiving blessings. That he chose to just bestow blessings um, to anyone and everyone and not really connect with them or discuss how it could potentially change their lives or not. But those are my little small nitpicks with the movie, with the show. All in all, it was entertaining. Um, had a bunch of great jump scares in it. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, Mike Flanagan's fantastic when it comes to designing films like these. So definitely give it a watch. Uh, you will enjoy it, especially for Spooktober, which is coming up rapidly soon. So go ahead and check that one out. Um, if you have any other horror films you think you uh, want to check out, definitely loop me in. I'm all about that. Thank you all for uh, joining me on Instagram, um, doing all those amazing likes. We're slowly getting up there and listens on uh, Spotify and Apple podcast. So please keep doing so. If you have any feedback about any of these episodes, uh, you can DM me on Instagram uh, at Marlon's corner or on Facebook. Let's, you know, let's, let's connect. Let's talk. I want to know what you need less of what you need more of uh, over here in the corner. So just let me know. Uh, but that is a wrap. Hopefully you, hopefully you enjoy this 40 minute episode, which is uh, outside of the norm uh, for us in the corner. But uh, thank you for listening in that you were tuning in. I'm wishing you an amazing day. Uh, if you're in California, stay cool. It's getting hotter out there. If you're elsewhere, you have an awesome one. If you're in France or India, we really appreciate you, but we'll see you next time back here in the edge of the room, AKA the corner on Marlon's Corner. Bye. This episode of Marlon's Corner was produced in Richmond, California.